0: Support your journey to wellness at b i o p t i m i z e r s dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Optimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, so, I recorded this a couple of weeks ago. I'm currently in Mexico, um, chilling out before I head back onto tour in America. Um, I caught up with a singer called Billy Lockett, uh, singer, songwriter, absolutely amazing voice, um, amazing musician. And I'd never met him before. His manager, a guy called Ross, um, I've known for years and years. um, And he was like from the Bristol crew. Back in the day, I used to run Motion, pretty much in the, which is a club in Bristol. Um, I he hit me up the other day and was like, "Would you be up for getting Billy on the podcast?" And Billy's, I I knew Billy as a singer songwriter before um, and listened to his music a lot. And I was like, "Of course!" Um, so, kind of came into this podcast not expecting anything and kind of didn't really know what we talk about. And it turned out to be an absolutely amazing conversation. It's been one of my favourite podcasts I've done in a long time. Um yeah, sadly we had to cut it a bit shorter because Billy had to go and record his album or start the recording today. Um or not today but when when we recorded the podcast. So I'm I really hope I can get him on again. It was an amazing conversation. Um so without further ado, enjoy. This is Billy Lockett.
0: Billy Lockett,
1: what's cooking man?
2: Hello you all right? Uh, yes, I'm wicked. How are you? I'm
1: good, man. The sun is shining. Um, Where are you? I'm in Somerset right now.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Wait you- a minute. I guess I'm actually driving towards you, actually. At some point. Isn't Somerset the South, right? I'm sorry, my geography's pretty bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're Bristol, right?
2: No, I'm Northampton, Northampton, but I'm driving down to Windsor, which so,
1: is... So Windsor's more near London. Oh, is it? Oh, so really? you're going southeast, and I'm southwest.
2: Somerset, is that is that how you say it? Somerset. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's it it's sort of like countryside, beautiful landscape world. Wait, I'm right? literally
1: looking out the window and it's like blue skies. The trees are like flowing in, in the wind. It's just like yeah. kind of perfect. Right. It's
2: like an acid trip. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've never done acid. Um, but really? yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't drink or anything. So I've like what? kind of been like,
2: you've kind of got the beard for an, for an acid trip.
1: <laughs> I, I put the acid look out there. I just, just don't yeah. do it. <laughs>
2: You were phoning Yeah, Yeah, literally (laughs) Fusegi (laughs) Fusegi I kind
1: of I kind of want to Want to try acid I kind of want to try acid one day But I think I'm more like Wanting to try like mushrooms over acid
2: Well, I mean, essentially It's the same thing, really Uh, It's the same drug Psilocybin Um, It's just I feel like the problem with acid is that it never stops. (laughs) (laughs) And you just get to a point where you're kind of like, I'm so sick of everything being wrong. (laughs) You know, know, it's like you just get tired of it. Whereas the mushrooms, when it when it wears off, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, now that's that was a good amount of time. I mean it's it's half the amount of time, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that, that last couple of hours on acid is just rough, Horrible. Oh god, just like, oh, I'm just tired of this now. <laughs>
1: I've like been obviously been around a lot of people that have taken acid, and the thing that scares me are the ones that don't have a good time. Yeah, and like yeah. I remember one of my mates was on a boat. We were on a big boat party in like well, it was like a cruise ship party, and. He took like an acid lolly, and it didn't hit him for ages. And then all of a sudden, dragons started coming out of the the walls and everything like. That, and I'm like, I just don't want to risk
2: it because I just don't yeah. want
1: a shit trip.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've done it. I've done it twice, and the first time I had the most amazing experience of my life, uh, which I feel like I'm still. I still go by lessons I learned from that trip. Really? really, Yeah. Yeah. It really stripped me from all of the crap that I thought I was and tried to, you know, and all this kind of, it made me think, why am I pretending to be this person? Yeah. And I'll actually like, it was kind of an ego death thing. It was really good for me actually. And then the second time I was a bit cocky with it and I (laughs) double dropped again, you know, double dropped (laughs) because it didn't work. It wasn't working and everyone else was seeing stuff. (laughs) and I wasn't. I was like, all right. I'm having another one, and then all hell broke loose, man. Um, and it's just... literally
1: hell opened.
2: And yeah, just... I, I had this. I had this guy. Well, I kept I had this face here yeah. for the whole trip. That every ten minutes, I'd kind of just go, oh, you know, and then and then re- and flinch because he'd be here, and then um, and after about seven or eight hours, it. I was just sort of accepted he was there. You know what I mean? We were just kind made, of like, yes. Made a new mate. I know you're there. Yes. And I know it's not going to leave me for a, for a while. I mean, it, you know, it's more of a feeling, isn't it? When you have a bad trip, it's it's like everything feels bad. And you walk in a room and you're like, oh, it's really bad vibes. And yeah, you know, I don't like it. And I don't know why. And it just, it's horrible. Whereas when it, when everything, uh, and, and it can turn so quickly, you know, you can be having the best time ever. And then someone will just light your fag for you in an aggressive way and all of a sudden you're in a horrible world of you know <laughs> yeah.
1: oh dear yeah i i i would like to experience some of those i don't know i'm yeah. still too scared i'm too
2: paranoid do you ever get flashbacks I mean, you, yeah i mean i don't have flashbacks as, as such really i don't I, I, I did it such a long time ago and you know, I did acid before I'd actually done anything else.
1: <laughs> Straight in, bulls deep.
2: That was the my end. first drug, yeah. That was before I, you know, I ended up going on to have quite a big career in drug addiction. But that was the first sort of <laughs> experience I had. And to be honest, I th- I think acid is uh, probably one of the safest things that I've ever taken, really, and it's weird because I I was so nervous about doing it because of the intensity of it. Mm. Whereas you know, the, with with coke and and Mandy and Ket and things like that, I didn't care. You know, I didn't give a shit. I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll do another life. And it's just like, why, why was I not bothered by that when that's yeah. rotting my insides? You know, oh,
1: cat is the worst.
2: <sighs> yeah, cat just... and it doesn't. You don't learn anything from it with acid and weed. I think you really learn. About yourself, and take away things from it. Whereas with with booze and coke and cat I've never. Re- I mean, maybe ket. Sometimes I think I learned something, but maybe I just learned how never to be.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever learned much from from booze or coke, and, and it's annoying because they seem to be the ones that really can uh, can take a hold of everything and turn it turn it into something negative.
1: Yeah, I think especially well just in life, isn't it? And especially being like a touring artist, it's kind of like this the go-to and it's always yeah. there, it's always like on on offer
2: and it's like uh. You know what, weirdly for me, the times when I would have a really sort of a big drink drug situation would actually be when I wasn't on tour. Really? Because- well i mean i would drink on tour although my last tour was the first sober tour that i've done which was really fun actually Mm. um but yeah normally it'd be when i come home and then Mm. i'm partying and i'm I'm sort of that would be my my relaxing time you know
1: so are you sober Uh, now yeah
2: yeah i mean yeah so i'm so basically I, i quit alcohol and coke uh nine months ago cool um and i'm i sort of i've had i think i had one slip about three or four months ago and now I've, i'm slowly getting to the point where i will drink if it's a really special occasion like if my girlfriend me and my girlfriend go on holiday you yeah, know i'll, I'll yeah. have some beers or you know i i, I had a drink at the, at the end of my tour mm. um you know those kind of things just yeah. like for, you know my thirtieths coming up I might have a couple of beers you yeah know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: definitely definitely
2: but really I just I I, I, I stick to uh weed really yeah. and um and that's it you know I feel like that and that's the only way that I could get off the coke was um was by starting I'd never smoked weed before mm. and uh someone told me that you know they'd Quit cocaine from from starting to smoke weed, but and that was the only thing that worked for them. And I've tried therapy and rehab and all the psychologists and all mm. these things, and nothing worked. And then all of a sudden, weed did, and, and it's totally changed my whole life. Yeah, you know? man,
1: that's amazing. My parents own a rehab. Really? Yeah, that's wow. yeah. They they own a rehab. Um, but yeah, is it's, that
2: partly why you haven't really dived into it that much? People always.
1: Asked this obviously like my close mates and stuff that know my parents have a rehab um but I I think probably subconsciously there's parts of it um like I grew up in an Iraq like my my mum has been a therapist my whole life and worked in rehabs my whole life and I remember like you know when you go to go to work with your mum like when you're a kid and like I remember going to rehabs when I was like four or five years old and like mental health um places and I just just remember that and I think probably subconsciously there's part of it and I before before my music kind of took off I worked in the rehab as well so you kind of see like the end of the road for a lot of people before before it gets they're there before it's too late if you know what I mean um and I I think it's pretty yeah maybe but I also just don't enjoy it don't enjoy drinking I don't like the taste of it I don't so and I get no benefit from it Um, I I was never like a proper raver I was never like into like going out and partying all the time I'd always be DJing I'd always be right like make like playing the music so the thought of the thought of going to a club and like
2: it's like going to work really is exactly yeah you know (laughs) I've always yeah. Some of my mates sometimes go, oh, do I get tickets for this festival? And I'm just like, no. why? Like, what just like, what? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't sound. Any, there's nothing yeah. appealing about it to me. Mm.
1: <laughs> so how? So how? How did you? Um, how long did you do rehab for?
2: well basically i was doing well i was doing therapy yeah. with a the guy that i would go there for, for the whole day okay. we talk. so it was kind of like i don't know if it was it was like a private rehab i guess but i didn't mm. stay over and to be honest it didn't work yeah. i mean the guy was it was a nice guy but it cost a fortune and the label yeah. were paying for a lot of it um and i think i don't know it He he was a heroin. He was a heroin addict years ago, and that's kind of his story. Um, And and so that instantly, I kind of felt like, well, why are we? Why are you trying to help me when? you know, you're trying to help me with a totally different drug here. And Mm. it's like, it's almost like you're just just going, oh, he's a drug Yes, he'll he'll know the right steps. It's like, well, heroin is a very different thing from coke. You know, they're totally different drugs to have Mm. problems with. come with totally different lifestyles and totally different ways of dealing with it. Um, And as well for me, a lot of the time I kind of thought, oh, it was really hard for me to work out that I had a problem because I was, uh, you know there were times when I was doing it once every week, you know, like, and I was like, Oh, okay, that's totally normal. And then it would creep into being like three days a week, you know? And I think the most it would ever be is like three or four days a week. But the problem is it's, It's one day you're on it, the second day you want to come down, third day you feel good, so you get back on it, fourth day you want to come down, fifth day you feel okay, so you get back on it. You know what I mean? It's like there's no room for anything but being on it or being on a come down. Mm. So the rest of your life is just neglected, really. And So you can only go so far like that until, you know, your girlfriend leaves you because you're never coming home and your manager can't deal with it because you're not turning up to sessions and the label's sick of it because the money, where's the money going? You know, all all this, all this stuff. So it takes a long time. But when I think of a drug addict and even to this day, I still sometimes think you think of the guy that wakes up in the morning in his pants on a mattress on the floor, uh, you know, and, and all that. And so, it's hard to think, you know, I, I would all be like, am I just making a mountain out of a molehill here? Mm. That's the thing. And then it was like, oh, hang on a minute. I literally can't. I Function. haven't gone a week without doing this for 10 years, yeah. you know, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> <be> that. <laughs>
1: it's, it's that realisation though, isn't it? And it's like, shit the bed. I've got friends, like we, we've we all got people that they, we all know people that have addictions that don't actually yeah know they have an addiction. (laughs) And like I think it's actually so it's so common in society, right? Like how many people every day get home and be like, I have to have a beer or I have to have a glass of wine. And then a glass Mm. of wine turns into a bottle of wine. And then like every night they're nailing a bottle of wine. Like Mm. that that is an addiction. When I I when I've got mates that are like I have to smoke like a couple of joints to sleep. I'm like that's it gets dangerous when you're in that in that realm because when if you can't if you if that stops then it's like okay let's move on to sleeping tablets and then then oh that comes with a few more beers and another whatever and you're just like it's it is a spiral but i don't think there's any education out there that actually tells people what an addiction is
2: well i guess because it's all subjective really isn't yeah. it you know someone could be doing it once every two or three months but feel like they're they're addicted i mean i, I always find it quite interesting that most addicts don't drink no sorry most alcoholics don't drink and most non-alcoholics do <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. <they're> quite weird <laughs> yeah. you know I, I think for me I, I used alcohol because i felt like i couldn't have a good time without drinking mm. um And that was until I was about 20. And then when I got to about 20 and someone showed me Coke, it was the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So three or four beers. I, the thing with me is like, if I have one beer, I'm probably going to have four. Yeah. And then if I have four, I have to get coke yeah I have to like I'm 100% getting it even <laughs> if it means running sneaking out of the pub so my girlfriend doesn't know where I've gone running to a cash point at one in the morning yeah. calling the gut timing it perfectly so that he arrives literally as I'm getting back to the pub so my girlfriend doesn't know it's anything straight in straight back into the toilet sorted done the lights, sit down dripping with sweat <sighs> made it work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she's like, "Where have you been?" "Oh yeah, there was a lot big queue at the bar." That kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like that addiction, that whole oh. thing going around your head of this whole preparation to basically throw 80 quid into the road and not be able to sleep. That's yeah. really. Yeah. And that and, and really it's honest. it's not
1: also that just that is it. It's also the dece- the, the deceiving to your partner or your family yeah. or whatever. It's is that that what you go to to actually make it happen
2: yeah yeah and you're lying and your girlfriend's coming out saying you know i'm really proud of you for having a couple of drinks and not getting it you know and all this and you Mm. have to be like yeah cool and yeah you've Mm. got this app on your phone that says how long you've gone from being so i mean you know i've got this app that's called i am sober and i must have reset it about thousands of times (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's killer it's so awful you know and then I mean, the best thing was coming clean to my fans about it and and telling Kirsten and being open about the whole thing and telling my managers. And and from doing that, I felt like I had more people to let down. Mm. So it helped me. It really helped me stop. But the weird thing is that with, you know, so going back, I sort of went on a tangent, but, you know, four beers in, it's impossible for me to not do coke. But... I don't have a problem not drinking. Yeah. So for me, like if I'm in a pub, you know, I've gone to the pub probably more in the last nine months since I don't drink. Um I've probably gone more and actually had a better time. Because for me, not not having a beer is literally not a problem to me. Mm. I'm not one of those people that's like desperate for that first beer. Yeah. And so I'm really grateful for that because that means it's I found I found it a lot easier. So I mates, you know, that first beer is really difficult to mm. not have yeah so I'm lucky with that. You've just gotta know yourself, haven't you? really? Well, I think that's the thing
1: is like like what you're saying with addiction is like it depends who you are and and how it affects you like it is purely personal the whole way through and some person, somebody's addiction is completely different to somebody else's it you can be addicted to fucking anything. It could literally yeah. be anything. It's just when it becomes unhealthy. It's an addiction and yeah and it starts affecting everything around you and i think that's the thing is that a lot of people don't realize is that we all have addictions to a certain extent it's just how do you deal with them and how are you willing to accept them before they get overpowering in your life like we yeah. like sugar sugar is like one of the biggest addictions every single person on this planet has coffee like yeah you, it, I, and I, heard, I you know.
2: What? I heard that cof, coffee is actually good for you. Is that a I, myth?
1: I think that's fucking Starbucks telling us lies. Probably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I swear, someone said that it was like two cups of coffee is a very well, is really good for the heart or something. It
1: probably is. It's probably like a glass of red wine's good for the heart. But I tell you, what's better for the heart? Going for a run for like thirty that's minutes good. every day. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, but, true. I think sugar is the thing, isn't it? You know, and food in general, mm-hmm. you know, people have a real problem with food. I mean, obviously, the weed thing for me has worked, and I'm still very wary of yeah. it. You know, I'm still very much like, right. you know, I'm not, I know a lot of people who are, you know, <laughs> weed is ruining their life, mm-hmm. you know, they don't do yeah. anything. But for me, I, maybe it's because I'm on the early stages of it, but I, I've been... I've probably been smoking weed now for, yeah, for about nine months and I'm still waiting for a, a sort of a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm yeah, kind of like waiting because yeah. like when I, when I drank, I'd wake up with a hangover, but yeah. like no smoke weed. I wake up really early, feeling really fresh, loads of energy. My skin feels better. Like I'm eating better. My sleep's better. My relationship's better. I'm like, well, I mean, obviously, it's also better because I'm not a tr- cocaine addict but... <laughs> Yeah, I don't
1: think it's all the weed. I think the weed might no, be I'm helping, Coke. but...
2: <laughs> I'm just saying, where's the where's the side effects? Where's all these things that people tell you are problems with this drug? I'm like, well, there doesn't seem to be any problem with this drug. I don't understand it. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, man,
1: it's, it's it affects everyone so differently because I, like... I've got friends that smoke all the time like and then I during lockdown um my parents rehab I've been helping them out pick clients up that are coming down because of covid they couldn't come down on public transport so when they need somebody I go and help them pick them up and I've seen people that are like like obviously you get in conversations in the car and they're like weed has destroyed my life
0: yeah and it's
1: and it's and and I think that's the thing is there's so many people saying like weed is amazing for you and weed is 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 help to me but then there's you don't see the other side of it and i don't very rarely we see the other side of it because weed is is kind of just like drinking nowadays isn't it it's just it's literally so out there it's it's so Mm. normal and i i I think it's great that it's normal but there's always that it can fucking destroy your life as well if you if it's that if it's your that's your type of person if it just affects you in that way
2: um, i think it's just about having responsibility totally. in yourself as human isn't it and being like you know i should be able to control it's just like people should be able to control alcohol i think i do understand why cocaine is illegal and that should never be legal ever because you know that I feel well I don't I'm just subjective isn't it of course it? Yeah, personally, yeah you know it's like if that was legal you know that the whole the world would be a horrible place <laughs> wouldn't it but do,
1: but do you, do you think like because I I think drugs all drugs should be legal and monitored and everything like that and it kind of gets taxed and it all goes through how weed is happening in America I think everything should be because mm. realistically like if heroin was legal well, if any drug was legal, it's going to be all regulated, and you know you're not going to be getting it cut with Dodging loads crap, of yeah. shit. And yeah. and I think drugs in their pure forms are actually probably okay for you in in small amounts. This is me. Mm. This is me just kind of putting out that I'm not a fucking scientist. I wouldn't have a fucking. Well, clue. do you
2: know what you say that? But but I was watching a Joe Rogan the other day where he was actually talking to a scientist mm. who. Who was speaking about how he regularly not regularly but takes he heroin take, he takes yeah, heroin I, I he takes that. crack he takes Coke you know but he, he does it bet you know he goes to Columbia and gets the best shit he can yeah. find purest form and you know does it in a controlled way mm. and a sensible and, and he's apparently fine you know and he's, yeah. a, he's a scientist and all that
1: I, I listened to that episode and I was like I didn't agree with him.
2: Yeah, I also <laughs> didn't agree. <laughs> because I was kind of, I don't know, I was sort of like, yeah, but is that kind of cool. You're doing heroin with your ro- wife on a Friday night. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that he was kind of talking about was that he went cold turkey off heroin. And I'm like, it's not re- you're not really going cold turkey off heroin if you're not injecting like three, four times a day for the last 20 years. You're going cold yeah. turkey for not doing it for, a- you've been doing it for like, occasionally like now and again like
2: yeah he wasn't addicted no exactly and that's
1: the thing it's like and i think what he should maybe could kind of change his like aspect and be like if you take drugs in a safe and healthy way it can benefit your life which i agree which it goes back to that coffee's good for you in two cups a glass of wine's good for you in moderation like everything in moderation is great but i think with Legalising it It actually Allows More like Tax and everything To go into education To go into treatment To go into all of that So And you've not got people dying Because things are cut with fentanyl And shit like that Mm -hmm. But The point that I was saying is Even if it was legal Would I go and do heroin? No
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Like it's not the fact that it's, it's not the fact that it's
1: legal, it's illegal that I would, wouldn't do it. It's the fact that hey, it fucks your life up.
2: Well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's not like you can't get it, mm. you know, if you want it, you can probably get it quicker than, you know, I've been offered it so many times, yeah. you know, by dealers when I'm, <laughs> when I got into that world, you know what yeah. I mean? And. I mean, it's strange, isn't it? Because the weed dealers is such a different thing, isn't it? Like, coke dealers are so scary and horrible and yeah. they offer you all these life-ruining things. <laughs> weed dealers normally your hippie mate up the road, <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't it?
1: <laughs> Everyone knows him. <laughs> yeah. It is a different no, lifestyle. I
2: mean, that says it all, doesn't it? That says it I, You know, when I started getting into this, I was kind of like, oh, right, so this is definitely a much nicer world
1: you know <laughs> <clears throat> yeah i i think i think but again it can
2: world. ruin people's lives you know yeah. it can and everyone's everyone is different i think that's that's the interesting thing and that's that's why it's so hard to police these things because everybody is different and mm. you can't you know you're trying to make one rule it's like it's kind of like how school is in a way isn't it where you know school the school system has done its best to kind of Generalize as for as many people as it can, and yeah. it's like, okay, how can we, how can we find as many subjects that kind of do all the jobs so that these kids can work out what they're good at, uh, mm. essentially? And it's like, well, that it's hard because everyone's different. You yeah, know, it's going to be people who don't get on with any of it.
1: <laughs> I also, I was talking to a mate about this uh, yesterday, and I was like, the school system is so old though now, and yeah. you just like, so like if you think how life has changed in the last 10 years, life changes a lot in 10 years, but in the last 10 years, like social media is just wild, right? Like on everything's online and school's still fucking teaching like algebra. And you're just like, what, where, where is that helping the the younger generations to work out life? Like how much shit is going on? Like you were talking about food addiction. Like how many people do you know that have, food issues because yeah. of social media because of like society at this moment in time, and it was always ha- there because I remember like you're we're similar ages so like back in the day it was always about like the 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 fashion mog- mod- models on the magazines and everyone would be like mm. oh these these size zero models but mm. you could get away from that because you didn't look at the magazines but now on social media you can't get away from any of that like the bullying yeah. that goes online, like there's, but there's no education. There's no one teaching in the schools how to deal with these things. And well, I'm, I guess
2: their their idea is that you know it's like oh, well, you know life teaches you that, yeah, you know, and and then and then school will teach you trigonometry <laughs> that you never use, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just feel like maybe it just, yeah, maybe it does need, maybe we are at a time now where schools do need to actually have a thing and be like, okay, we're going to have a well-being lesson. Mm, Exactly. You know, and we'll have a, you know, I I wish, I wish that someone had taught me um, how to produce when I was... 10 if there had been a lesson you know there's, I mean, there was music lessons but it was shit Sibelius do you know what I mean like <laughs> it was just pushing the buttons on the keyboard oh, you know like DJ but DJ, yeah. DJ DJ DJ
1: I need I'm still looking for one of those keyboards I, I want one of those keyboards <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah they've all been burnt in all the old schools Yeah, they have all gone now they <laughs> don't exist. you'll probably find one in a car boot sale that's broken yeah yeah Um, But, yeah, I wish someone had done that because that would have changed my life. That would have Mm. literally given me a career way before, you know, I ended up learning when I was 27, 28, which is fine. yeah. You know, I kind of know what I'm doing now, but, like, still not really, you know. And I'm still, like, 10, 15 years away from saying, from feeling that I'm good enough to say I'm a producer properly, you Mm. know.
1: My um, my music teacher at school told me that, because... I was DJing then anyway, but he told me that electronic music is not a genre of music, and I won't ever have a career in electronic music. And you're just like, that's a fucking teacher, you cunt." <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think my my music te- uh, teacher wouldn't even let me uh, in the course because I because uh, I couldn't read music. <laughs> it was crazy. I applied for it and I was like really excited. but he was like, "I oh, know you have to have grade three theory," um, which I still don't have, um, and it's worked out all right. So.
1: This is the thing; it's just ego. These fucking teachers just. They, they, yeah. I don't. I think. Yeah, education systems, not. Because it's the same story. Everyone you speak to, it's like all of their teachers, like there's very rarely a teacher of theirs, like actually like encouraged them and helped them.
2: Yeah. Very rarely. I mean, to be honest, for me personally, Mm. I went to a really, really good school. Uh, I I don't know really how I got in, to be honest, but I had to do all these tests and things and managed to get into this like grammar school for boys, Mm. called NSB and it was kind of, you know, I think there was like 400 people from it went to Oxford or Cambridge. Wow. It was one yeah. of those, one of those kind of, I, I, I got, I got two B's and seven A's and I was like second um. bottom in the year. It was that, that is full. Um, so, the, so the teachers were amazing in ter- for maths and history and geography and all of you know English and science. They were the best, you know, and yeah. they would jump, leap around the room, and it was like it was like Hogwarts. Sometimes, I think, I think back, I feel very lucky to have gone there. But in terms of the arts, they, they were kind of left. Mm. It was sort of like not really seen as important. So, you know, the music teacher was basically just like failed musicians, and and same with the art teachers. They were just kind of like just hippie hippie guys that kind of just. wanted to just bum around and just draw some stuff get some money
1: yeah it's it's such a shame but I don't know I don't think anyone is balls enough ballsy enough or got the time or the money to actually change the education system at all so I think it's like too much of a big thing for them to actually move forward but I want to talk about how you like? When did you get into writing music? Then, but your thought, mate, your voice is fucking unbelievable. I love your record Thanks, so man. much, man. I I was actually I know Ross pretty well. Your, your who's manager. your manager?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, I didn't know he managed you. I like had been listening to you on Spotify for a while, and then okay. I got an email from Sam and Ross going, "Would you be up for getting Billy on the podcast?" And I was like. Billy Lockett, I know that name. Like, where do I know that name from? (laughs) And then I went on my Spotify. I was like, I listen to this dude a lot. And uh, (laughs) I was like, I didn't know you were managing him. And I was like, of course. But like, where did it all start for you? Like, how did, how did, because you said you you didn't start doing music until like 27.
2: No, no. um, I didn't start producing until I was 27. (laughs) Well, Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, um, but kind of doing it the old-school way, really. It feels like the old-school way. Now that there's this TikTok world and everyone's a bedroom producer and it does feel like the way I do it, did it, is old-fashioned. You know, just like me and a piano going around the the world, really, trying to just bash out some songs. But I think um, it kind of properly started maybe... five six years ago I Mm. think when I I moved to London I was doing it locally since I was like 18 19 and it just wasn't really nothing was really happening well actually no it was all right I got i got a booking agent on the early days uh which was sort of like life-changing really and he he put me on all sorts of tours with uh Katie Tunstall and Mm. Birdie uh Lana Del Rey wow um so yeah so many great Things and um, and I quite, got quite lucky as well. My first song that I released was a uh, Record of the Week on Radio One, okay. Uh, you know, this is like 11 years ago or something. Fern Cotton made it record her record, Fern of the Week.
1: Cotton that's a blast. From yeah. The past. Damn,
2: yeah, I know. And and that really took off, really. And then, um, and then everything was going really well. We were about to sign our first record deal, and then my dad died while oh, I was shit. on tour, yeah, which was nuts, really. I, I mean, I knew he'd had cancer for a long time and, and i knew it was on the cards but i didn't think it was going to be so soon because mm. it you know cancer is one of those things that you know someone in your in your family or someone has cancer and for the first four or five sometimes four or five years mm. it's kind of like do they they're yeah. fine you know what's yeah. the problem i just don't understand what the problem is and then you know in the space of a couple of weeks it's like they just, disinter- you know it's just it just eats you up. You don't see
1: it, do you? Because it's all yeah. internal. So a lot of it's just like they look great. They and yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's bam. Ah, sorry yeah, about it, that, man. That sucks.
2: No, no, it's fine. It was it was a long time ago. Now that was eight years ago. So, um, so then I sort of stopped everything basically and just uh quit. Well, kind of quit really. Um, mm-hmm. and went back home. And uh, after about a year, rebuilt everything and just started writing about it all and then throughout my career I've been releasing EPs um I th- I then I released an EP about it all about about my dad's situation yeah. I think, and that got me a record deal with Warner which was probably the worst thing I ever did but <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
1: I've never I've never I've literally never spoke to a single person that's had a record deal that says they like it
2: yeah yeah it was horrible, um, but you know what? It it taught me a lot, and it got me a hell of a lot of songs that I'll never use. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I did all these different writing sessions with all these different people, and uh, I mean, I, I think it, everything happens for a reason, and I, I think totally. they did. They helped me in a way, I think. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I managed to get out of that. Mm and uh i've released two eps since then um and now i'm sort of just gearing up for the um for the album really so it's you've... taken me about 10 years to do it so. <laughs> when, when's the album like due to come out well i'm literally after this i'm going to go to the studio and find out <laughs>
1: <laughs> so is it first recording day today
2: yeah oh, amazing
1: yeah, that's cool is. so
2: i'm um, well, I mean, this is the thing. I've been recording... So, I've been learning to produce. So, since I've... I've I missed a lot out, really. I mean, I got dropped about three years ago. Mm. Well, I mean, I sort of begged them to let me go, and they they agreed. And uh, and um, and then I've sort of just been learning how to produce. So, I made this... um made a classical album. Uh it was my first kind of test on learning how to do it all. And then through the year, I've been sort of making the album. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. when you can... Because when you learn how to produce, you kind of end up producing all the time, really. You mm. just sort of like, oh, well, I'm here, I'll try a little bit. I'll work on that kick drum for a bit. Okay, cool, maybe I'll do a synth to it. And you just sort of chill out. So I've been... You know, the album is a SoundCloud link, but it's just not... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just not right. It's not like... I think the songs are sort of good, but just the production I just I just I don't know what I want it to sound like yet and I think sometimes I just need to be in with someone else who can help me find out totally, you know
1: man. yeah it's, I think having uh some of the best people or best artists in this world have got somebody that is just sits on the couch and is like yeah, or no, or this and that, and I think that's. Oh, look at Rick Rubin. That's pretty much what yeah, he's done his whole life. If you know what I mean, and he can't but,
2: even turn a laptop on, can he?
1: Does I he think. know what a laptop is?
2: <laughs> I mean, the same with Guy Chambers. Actually, yeah. you know, he he's, he doesn't really do any of that stuff, um, but Rick Rubin's really good. That's the difference, I guess. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but even like, there's even like with like the Chemical Brothers, like. Uh, one of the like, not they're not both producers. If you know what I mean, someone's. Oh really? I think um, I can't remember which one, but uh, like one of the one of them is like pure engineer producing, doing everything, and the other one is yeah. a typical producer. What what you would know yeah. as a producer, as somebody that probably puts his hands on the gear occasionally, but it's like yeah, that sounds dope, or what about this, yeah. what about that, and I, I think it's important to have um i there's at this moment in time over the last like well in my industry in like electronic dance music industry it's like you should be doing absolutely everything yourself and the minute somebody walks in the room with you and you're 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 fake and you're not you're not good and it's like well that 's fucking bullshit because
2: well that, is it really what is it is it that kind of world is it very not pretentious but that they've got strict rules almost. There's like I, code.
1: I think it is. But the thing is, I think what it is, is not everyone's honest in this, in, I, and I don't know if it's the same in your kind of side of things, but you've got massive artists that will say they wrote a record and it was produced by somebody else and it was made by somebody else and they've just put their name to it. And rather than being honest and saying, yeah, I worked with this producer, I worked with this engineer and we did it together. Yes. Yeah. I think then that creates something in the industry that people are like, oh shit, I have to do it all myself. And all these people that are massive are making amazing music by themselves and how the fuck are they doing it? Um, and then you have artists that won't ever mention uh, you working with someone and the, the like producers can't tell anyone that they're working with someone. And you're just yeah. like, that's that takes... That's more just ego, rather than yeah, rather than. And it's also, I
2: guess, the the way that they would probably look at it would be, oh well, you know, I've spent years creating this giant brand, Mm. and you know, you 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 know, you've got to earn that kind of name, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, you know, you, if, sort of, if someone's done something, credit them. You're a human
1: being, <laughs> like it's... exactly. And, and we're all art. We're all in the same game. We're all artists. There's no better artist. There's no. There's nobody just because they've got a big brand. They're not better than you. Mm. A lot of the time, they're they're not better than you. And yeah. it, it it is it it does really annoy me because especially there's a huge thing with like uh, females and like females not producing their own music and you're just like why why is it if a if a chick doesn't write her own music and a guy doesn't write his own music why is it that the chick's worse yeah and it's like and they get like so much shit online and i'm just like yeah, what the yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. is that
2: about like can't we're all artists it's kind of a similar sort of a similar thing i remember touring with um uh, Nina Nesbitt uh, mm. for a while uh, in the early days and it was really interesting to see how the label treated her as a verse to how they how my label treated me you know because I was a guy because me and Nina would both we were both singer-songwriters mm. so we both you know stood on stage on our own with either a guitar or a piano and sang yeah. a song but Nina kept being pushed into having to dance and yeah. play a drum and wander around that, like, and no one ever said that to me. You know, I was always mm. like, No, 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 you're the you're the male wise singer, so it's, all right. it's you're allowed to just sit there and do less, basically. So do weird. less work. You know. It's outrageous. You know, and luckily I think she fought back on it, you know, and I don't think it worked out with the, with the label. But and the same with Katie Tunstall. I mean it's 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 rare that that I think nowadays it's getting better, but totally. I think for a long time labels have been having to push women into being pop stars because they're females, mm. you know, d- like completely irrelevant of the type of music that they were playing. Yeah, and
1: and then that, uh, and then you realize sorry to a bit, and then you realize that the, a lot of these women are fucking unbelievable artists, but because the yeah. labels are pushing them to be pop artists, they're actually doing something <laughs> they're not, and and being somebody that they're not just to be successful. Yeah. Because we we all can get into that that road where we start doing things just to become successful because we think that's what we want and then for five years we've been writing music we've been releasing music of music that we don't fucking want to be anything part of yeah um and it's very apparent with women in the industry and i I, it's weird i I didn't know that in the pop world
2: i mean i don't know whether sometimes i've had conversations with people about it and that maybe it's that you know, maybe the public are to blame in a way totally, because yeah. the, the labels are really just going where the money is. Mm. And if if you know a woman prancing around wearing nothing, uh, dancing and singing a pop song is going to make is going to sell better mm. than her being a, a singer songwritery Lucy Rose esque thing, yeah. then then we're to blame as well as a culture. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because if 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 we wanted. That more then labels would push it. That really, they're not. I don't know whether sometimes labels, you know, they don't care about anything but the money. Yeah. You know, they, they're not. They're not fascists. They're just money driven.
1: <laughs> well, it's a business, it's isn't quite, it? That's the
2: thing. It, it makes them slightly more moral in a way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's slightly interesting if you if you look at it that way that they are literally. The same as fucking B&Q They just yeah. literally want to sell something And they will do anything out of their way To make it as sellable as possible Yeah, So you can't blame them
2: It's kind of that, that argument Of like if something is The most successful Does it mean it's the best Definitely not You know it's like that mm. idea of You know I guess technically McDonald's is probably The most successful restaurant you know, in the world, yeah. but it's probably one of the worst, you know. And, and you know, same, you know, Ed Sheeran, I guess, is the most mm. successful artist in the world, but does it make him the best? Yeah. Well, what is the best of, you know, the best is subjective in almost everything. But I mean, also what is it.
1: success, isn't it? What, what, yeah. does, what is What what success to... And, and that's subjective. That's very individual. Like, I think... Well, what, I would
2: say that money is a big part of it, isn't it? I think money
1: is a big part of it, as society would say, right? Like, if if you see somebody with a shit ton of money, a big house, a nice car, you're like, oh, they do well. They're, they're successful. But then I think...
2: But they might be miserable. Exactly. That's the
1: difference. And is it? that and then and then it's like is that successful? Or well, I don't think that personally. I don't think that's successful. Let's say, for instance, like James Blake, right? I don't know him. I've never met him. I fucking love his music, and I think he's so underrated. It's unbelievable. And you, I mean, he's pretty.
2: He's pretty big, though, isn't he? He's, he's pretty, fucking massive. He's, he's pretty rated. He's pretty. He's
1: pretty <laughs> massive. But I also think he's uh, like you go on to his like you compare him to other artists stream-wise and things like that and kind of show-wise and you're like, how is this dude not not fucking smashing yeah. it? But then yeah. that's that's my kind of me going, well, he should be like up there with the biggest of the biggest and being like the biggest star and headlining yeah. here and there. And maybe it's like, maybe he doesn't actually want that.
0: Maybe yeah. Maybe
1: he's cool with just like, being a sick producer, being an amazing singer songwriter, and re- releasing weird music, like yeah. and and I think that's what that, it goes back to that public thing. Is do we have this perception of what people, what we want people to be, because that's what we would want if we were in that in those shoes. But yeah. yet, I know people that literally play guitar in an open mic night and are
2: happier than most people. Yeah, man, and I think as well, there's a lot to be said for. Playing songs that you like, yeah. You know, I don't think I really. I think I massively underestimated how important it is to do that. Because Mm -hmm. when I was with the label, I was definitely churning out songs to desperately try and find a hit, and ending up with some pretty terrible music (laughs) that I was having to play every day. Yeah, and and you know, it's a lose lose situation because you know you play a song that you don't like you know if it does well you're annoyed because you're like oh what's wrong with everyone why is everyone like this you know you can't really enjoy it And god that made me so depressed having to play songs that the label had forced me to release that i knew weren't very good um and 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 the weirdest thing is that a lot of those songs probably in in terms of streams probably i would say did quite well you know they were successful like one of the songs was a list on radio Two and Mm. Uh, we, we toured it on an arena tour and it was really, did really well. Um, but I absolutely despised it. Whereas yeah. the EP I've released recently, I love every song. And to be honest, it hasn't gone crazy. It's, I think it's nearly hit a million in a couple of months or so. It's not brilliant, but it's fine. And I'm, I'm okay with it. And I I love the songs. Mm. So it's when people come up and they, they say they're a fan of me. I'm like, Great, that's good. I like that because I like what I'm doing. So you know well, you I, wanna be able to get on with them. You wanna you wanna relate to them, don't you?
1: Totally, man. And I think that's the that is the thing about I hate the word artist because it sounds bougie as fuck and it sounds yeah. like <laughs> egotistical. But that is the thing, is that we when when we start out, we well, not all of us, but I can speak for myself. When you, when I start out, I didn't start out to make money. I started yeah. out because I enjoy doing what I do. And by the sounds of it, you're the same as you. Yeah. You started out because you liked writing great songs. And the minute you stop writing great songs, the minute I stopped writing music to try and chase something, it just takes all of that fun out of it. Yeah, the that, fun. It's
2: the fun. That's yeah. the most important thing. It's supposed to be fun. Mm. You know, I, d- I didn't even know that you could really make money out of this for, for a while. Right, yeah. <laughs> Someone so. told me it was a job when I was about 19. I was like, what the fuck, really? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, people have jobs in this. You can, like, do it and not have another shit job. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck, don't great. have to turn it's up so to McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just get to take your apron off, slam it on the ground. Like yeah. I can actually make money from
1: this. I've just found out. <laughs> oh, dude, mate, it's we've just done like nearly fifty minutes, and I know you've got to crack on. I feel like I could speak yeah. to you for fucking ever, um, <laughs> but we have to do this again when the album's out. Um, yeah, man, let's wrap please. it up so you can crack on and <laughs> record the album for us to listen to. Um, Thanks, man. But yeah, uh, how can people follow you? How can people? Um, get on your shit
2: so uh instagram billy lockett at billy lockett thing i think uh just google me really <laughs> probably best cool. thing uh, spotify and facebook yeah legend man yeah. um thank you so
1: much let's keep in touch mate and uh hopefully catch up soon great cheers mate peace out man see you soon Bye. and that is a wrap uh thanks so much for listening please share please comment please subscribe That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BTW, void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.